That's Joe Scally. That's not Sebastian Salazar. He's oh, actually going to be on the call. U.S. Women's National Team. She believes covers the Czech Republic. 8 o'clock on ESPN. So we got Mauricio Pedrosa with us. We got a DP in the house. Today's a day, Mal. So am I MPDP? MPDP. I like yeah. that. I like yeah. that. I like that. Welcome, everyone. Football Americas is in the house. Remember to download the podcast. Like Harris said, we have... Great show, as always, on ESPN+. Plus. So are you, are you ready for this? I like your t-shirt, by the way. Is that Cristiano Ronaldo next to Bernardo Silva? In, in, honor, in honor of uh, Derek Ray, this is Cristiano Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes. Ah, Bruno Fernandes. I would love to have a pronunciation like Derek Ray. In Spanish. I don't even pronounce Spanish like Derek Ray pronounces every single language in the world. Um, are you ready to do this? Let's go, man. All right, let's go. Let's talk Champions League. UEFA. Champions League because Brendan Aronson had himself a game against Giants FC Bayern Munich. The game ended up in a 1-1 draw. But just let's just let's take a look at some of Brendan Aronson's uh, stats and performance, especially during the first half. Three chances created, three duels won, two shots, and one assist. That assist actually, in terms of chances created, he becomes the youngest to do it in a UEFA Champions League. Knockout match since Lionel Messi. Five plus chances created. He rated his own performance as follows after the game. It was tough. I mean, they were they were really good on the ball on the day, and I think we broke well. We were on the counterattack. I think every time we got the ball on the counterattack, I think we were dangerous. But listen, they played a really good game, and I think we did too on the counterattack. We were we finished the goal, and that's all you need, and just unlucky not to get the win. I mean, to play in the round of 16 with a club that the first time gooey and getting a result like this against FC Bayern, it's a, it's a dream come true. And now it, everything's open for the second game. Yeah, I know we can beat Bayern. You know, we, we know our qualities. We know we're fearless and we're going to continue to do that. And with an open mind in the second leg. This is his sixth European match. But after seeing this and seeing these stats, was this his breakout night in Europe? In Europe for the rest of the world, yeah. For those of us who have seen him play continually for the U.S. Men's National Team, no. You know what Brendan Aronson is about. But doing it against Bayern Munich, yep. doing it on this platform, you saw the comparison. We're not comparing him to Messi. okay? But five chances created for a player that young has not been done since Lionel Messi. That said something. And, and the confidence oozing out of him. I know we can beat Bayern. When you look at the amount of touches he did have in this game, there weren't a lot. Maybe 33, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. 32. Yeah. 32. 32 uh, touches in this game. But it's when the technical, because he's a very good technical mm -hmm. player, and the tactical meet. What do I mean by that, Mal? It's the understanding of knowing when to go. Understanding of, I can't get stretched because I need to keep my shape for my team. You see him defending. They're in there in their own box at times, and then when they're on the counter in transition, he's one of the first ones out. He's springing on the brick. He's so good at understanding the moments. There's a reason I consider him Mr. Football Americas. I mean, this guy is a <laughs> running back king on this show. I've said it before. I've said it to Sebastian Salazar. I've said it to you. I sometimes have a blind spot. I like to say a soft spot, not a blind spot right, for right. certain players. Brendan Aronson is one of those players. So there's a reason why not only us but a lot of uh, specialized media in soccer are talking about Brendan Aronson. 
when you're Salzburg and you play Bayern and you get to dominate Bayern like Salzburg did, especially in the first, first half, half. Yeah, and yeah. you are the best player in that team. He was in the first half. World soccer is going to talk about you, my man, especially when you're this young. And after listening to him during that post-game interview, it doesn't seem like he's absorbed in his own performance and his team's performance. The first thing he said is, we have to go there and win. We believe we can win. So talk about not only his performance, but his mentality for such a young guy, understanding what it means to have a performance like that in the big stage, like the UEFA Champions League. And it's really no surprise. You speak to the people who have seen him up close. Jesse Marsh raves about him. Yep. You know, uh, you know, uh, Jim Kern raves around him. Thierry Henry on the yep. broadcast <laughs> raves about him. Thierry Henry had to face him in Major League Soccer while he was head coach of Montreal. It, it speaks to the volume of this kid, his understanding. I go back tactically. A lot of young players don't have the tactical understanding of a Brendan Aronson, nor do they have the technical ability to get in and out of things and the motor. When you speak to people, because what jumps out at me is tactically, but when you speak to people, it's his motor. It's how infectious he is on both sides of the ball. That tells me something. Yeah, that tells a lot. Yeah, that worked great. I would say that tells a lot. Now, uh, today on ESPN FC, Archie Rintut, who's our Bundesliga insider, spoke about this topic. Was this the breakout night for Brendan Anderson? He was there. So this is what he had to say about the U.S. men's national team player. First time I've seen him properly, Kay. Very impressive. Symbolic of of the overall Salzburg performance, high energy, nimble, particularly his turning circle. You generally, I think, only hear that in football when we're talking about slow defenders. But actually, as an attacker, just the way that he was able to kind of spin on an axis so, so quickly, it was causing Bayern real problems. And he had a great chance to make it 2-0 as well in, in the first half. And you saw the respect that Bayern were giving him in the, you could tell they were afraid to touch him in the penalty area because they knew that if he goes over it, if he gets a touch, it was going to be a penalty. So I thought that the way that he was still, I thought the way that he was still sprinting, even in the 90th minute when a lot of his teammates had kind of tied themselves out by that point. Look, he's at Salzburg to give himself a platform for the future as everybody who is there at that club is and doing it in that kind of game against Bayern is a real test of your character, particularly at the, at the young age that he is right now. So very encouraging. And I'm sure it's the sort of performance that will put him even more prominently on, on bigger clubs radar. So I do not want to anticipate anything, but that thing Archie said in the end, right? Bigger clubs. You know what Bayern does in the Bundesliga? Every time they face another team, it's not a lower, lower tier team, but teams that are not as powerful as Bayern. Whenever there's a star in the upcoming, they go and chase the star. Yeah, I'm not them. saying Bayern is going to do that, but that's what happens when you play like that against a top team like FC Bayern München. Yeah, Archie was talking about the turning circle. That, to me, tells me Archie sees that he can get in and out of things very yep. quickly. He's very technical. People don't give him enough credit for how technical he is because he's, they see his work rate. They see how honest of a player he is on both ends of the field. But the tactical understanding of getting in and out of things, and you can, we can sit here and debate whether the assist was an actual assist. Did he mean to? When you mean to be dangerous, oftentimes you are dangerous. And that's what happens with Brendan 
Aaron said, I see it at the club level, I see it at the national team level. He's a player that produces very well. We can debate the assist, right? How good it was, how effective it was. We cannot debate the five plus chances created. That stat is irrefutable and it only speaks how impactful he was during the game. Now, let's attract all of this to national team uh, play. Uh, since the start of 2021, he's been a part 15 of 25 matches for the U.S. Men's National Team. And he's played a big role, especially during World Cup qualifiers. You know how we say in Spanish, uh, Raul y diez más. Yeah. Chucky y diez you, más. You say, you say that, right? I say that. So, <laughs> so is it... Is it Brandon Aronson, Ivies Mas, is he irreplaceable for Greg Berhalter? Okay, so that Ivies Mas means you're the best player on the team and exactly. everybody else is just there. I don't think it's Ivies Mas, but is he irreplaceable? In my eyes, he absolutely is irreplaceable on this U.S. men's national team. You talk about putting it all together. You talk about having the physical traits. You talk about having the technical traits, the tactical traits. You talk about actually being a performer. San's last window, when I thought it was probably one of his weakest windows, he's been probably your best contributor. Uh, you look at the most minutes right there under with the U.S. Men's National under you know Greg Berhalter's World Cup qualifying campaign. He's there. Not only is he there with minutes, but he's there with goals. He's there with assists. He shows up in big moments. He's a player you can play centrally as an interior. He gets in the end of things, or you can play out wide and he can be a contributor to setting things up. He creates from so many different angles. He's a player with the ability to have that vision. But defensively, give you that work rate and offensively be productive yeah. enough for you to finish with goals and assists. We saw that stat, that graphic with the amount of minutes for certain players. Those players really do not have that much of competition for those positions. What about in Brandon Arison's case? Who's his uh, toughest competition? What about the pool, the rest of the players that can't compete for a starting 11 spot against Brandon yeah, Arison? This is going to sound crazy. Often things would I say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're used crazy. to that. We're used to that, bro. But I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are on that national team. If you are going to beat Brendan Aronson for his position, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. I don't care if you're Christian Pulisic. I don't care if you're Giovanni Reyna. I don't care if you're Timothy Weah. If you're playing on that wing or anywhere as an interior, they change the formation. It's going to cost you because he's been that good. He's that good of a player and he's got that big of a ceiling. Other than the number nine position, you can actually picture a starting 11 and just move Brandon Arison, right wing, left wing, even as a box-to-box -box player if needed. I know it's not ideal, but if needed, because Archie was speaking of his physical condition, the rest of the players for Salzburg, they were exhausted yeah. because they were chasing Bayern, but he saw like a guy who could go another 30 minutes. Yeah, you know what it is with Brandon Aronson? He's suited for a a lot of different types of systems, a lot of different type of positions, but I think the system he's most suited for is a high press type of system or a system kind of like Chelsea plays with two interior tens underneath a nine. I think he would be very good there. For the national team, it's a 4-3-3, oftentimes very predictable, but he's so good at creating with his space, uh, with his movement, with his vision, with the technical and tactical ability of finding others. It's going to cost somebody uh, a steep price if they want to remove him from that lineup. You've done it again. You've done it again. Well. You turned me into a fan of another very young U.S. men's national team player. Now it's my turn. <laughs> I want to turn you into a fan of a not very young Mexican <laughs> national team player. Because Andres Guardado was crucial for Betis again. Not only with his midfield play, he scored the winning goal against 
Zenit uh, San Petersburgo. That was a fantastic first half. 3-2, the win away for Real Betis. Completed the 90 minutes. He's 35, plays for a contender in the Spanish League and in Europe now. But Herc, I have to ask you this question. Why don't we see this Andres Guardado when he wears, yes, green, but the Mexican national team green and not Betis green? Uh, great question. Uh, very simple answer is there are better players around him at Real Betis. Is it that simple? It is, it is. He's got uh, Guido Rodriguez behind him. He's got Carvalho on the side of him. Very good motor. It's very different when you have Edson Alvarez trying to chase fires when he's got in front of him Guardado, who's not that physically inept anymore, or uh, Hector Herrera. Two players that are on the latter side of 30 that really cost the team when they play or try to stretch the field on both ends. Uh, Guardado is a player that can definitely give you a lot. He's a, I think we're both in agreement, top five Mexican national team career. Oh, Mexican, no doubt, no yeah, doubt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Club, club career, Mexican national team combined, he's top five. At this stage of his career, he's more suited probably in that Rafa Marquez role where he's going to be at the World Cup as an emotional leader, probably coming in and playing a few minutes here and there, but I don't see him starting every game. Here's why I disagree with that. Because when Rafa Marquez played that role, he was also playing that kind of role when he was playing club. Atlas, Leon, that was the, the, the final part of his career. He then went back, he, but he even went back to Italy, right? He tried again to play in Europe in Italy and it was just wasn't the same. Andres Guardado has been performing really, really well, again, for a contender in the Spanish yeah. league and captain. now, and now captain. captain as well. So let me go back to coaching because, are you turning this on Tata? Of course I am. <laughs> Of course I am. And you know I'm not the biggest Manuel Pellegrini fan. I keep saying, I Pellegrini, especially when he was managing Manchester City. That's a different story for another day. But the way Pellegrini uses Andres Guardado, I think it fits his current form. The things he asks for Andres Guardado, it fits his current form. Sometimes I believe Tata Martino puts Guardado in very, very tough spots either by asking him to go box to box, he cannot do that anymore. Do that anymore. Or to play as the only number five, which again, he's not suited to do that by himself. Yeah, yeah here they call it a six, that, that contención, that defensive mm -hmm. midfielder. I'll, I'll give you another uh, example. There's that rotation that all of a sudden we're seeing with Tata Martino in World Cup qualifying. It's Charlie Rodri Rodriguez, excuse me. It's Luis Romo. It's all, all of a sudden Orbelin Pineda. It's been that rotation of it's, players. And, and, That's and, a problem and, and too. Cordova every once in a while. So it's been that rotation. So. Whether you want to admit it or not, it's very difficult for a player to gain that rhythm, especially a player like Guardado. So I still believe that Andres Guardado can play at a high level as a starter for the Mexican national team, but it has to be the right system. And every time we see a performance like tonight, because again, we're going to speak about the goal, and it was a fantastic goal, by the way. Great finish by, by Guardado. Good pressure, great finish. But hey, man, every time you got to go play Senate, away from home it's tough and he was up to the task so that's why i, I scratch my head and i ask you can he replicate right, well, that well, under tata martino let's put it in perspective as well okay when he plays for betis he's not taking these trans transatlantic flights to mexico he's yeah, not going to go true. play in altitude he's not going to go play you know estadio azteca where the crowd turns on him they're not going to go play in these concaf uh, fields which are 
swamps sometimes. He's got more favorable conditions. Yeah, in, still in long travel to St. Petersburg, by the way, in Russia. Uh, La Liga on ESPN+. Plus. We have some really, really great games this weekend, especially Real Madrid hosting Alaves. That game is on ABC this Saturday, starting at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The game is also available on ESPN+, Plus and in Spanish, of course, on ESPN Deportes. Come on, man, Miazga, get it. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now let's go to the real Champions League, shall we? <laughs> CONCACAF Champions League. This game was held on Tuesday. Oh! Santos hosting oh! Montreal. And look at Romain Kyoto. What a score. But then he's wondering, yo, yo, what's up? What's up? Oh. The, the goal was disallowed yeah, for this foul on Cervantes. It was a foul on Cervantes, but Romelu Kyoto. Did. <laughs> <laughs> then Santos took control of the game. Montreal's goalkeeper had four fantastic saves. And this has not been a great Santos team on the Pedro Caixinha. 88th minute, finally, Jesus Osejo with a long goal and the victory for Santos Laguna. You see that right there from Pedro Caixinha? That's a huge sigh of relief. Yes, sir. This is a game they absolutely have to win. Uh, the Mexican press expects it. The people of Torreón expect it. Their record expects it, Mal. We're talking about a team that's 20 undefeated in CONCACAF at home. This is a tournament they do very well in, so it was very much a victory they needed. So this is the first win for Santos under Pedro Caixinha. They have only tallied this year. one. This year, exactly. Yes. One point, and they've been a huge disappointment so far. So when you, when you take a look at that performance, how can they use this victory to try to take it to, to, to the Mexican League and also considering what's going to happen in the second leg? Because it was not an easy result for Santos. Now, let, let me just say, let's switch it for a second. This is a great result for both teams. Okay? I, think about is this. Is that possible? It is. Think about this for a second. Montreal go to a place where it's historically very difficult, especially for Major League Soccer teams. I was part of those Santos teams that used to trounce Major League Soccer teams. It was your Houston, Seattle, Toronto. You know what I'm talking about. It's a very difficult place to play. You would eat six and go home. Okay? 1-0 heading into Montreal. A good result for Montreal. Yep. Okay? They would probably feel hard done with the, with the foul called and Romelu Kyoto. I know it's not Romelu, but Kyoto doing a very good goal uh, being called back. But if you're Santos Laguna, also a good result. They're sitting in last place in Liga MX with a negative 13 goal against. Okay? Pedro Caixinha's teams, historically, don't give up goals. They don't leak goals like that. They're a defensive team first, a transition team. So the fact that they were able to, one, win... Two, at home. And three, keep a zero at the back. Could be the victory that changes their season. It's a good win for Santos. It's a good result for Montreal. One win for Santos Laguna since November 25th. This was the first official match, the first official competition game for Montreal also in a couple of months. So that I understand that finally getting a win it's just a relief for Santos Laguna. I don't believe it's a great result because now let's talk second leg. Uh, 
Do you expect a comeback from Montreal? I I don't. It's not impossible. Montreal's a very good team in transition. Montreal proved to give uh, Santos Laguna lots of fits, especially uh, in transition, especially in the 1v1 situations with Giotto. He's a very, very special player. Um, I, I love the way the Hondureño plays. But Santos Laguna, just purely off of muscle memory, shouldn't be where they are today. No. They're a better team than that record indicates. They're one of the strongest, stronger teams in Liga MX uh, generally. They're one of the stronger teams in CONCACAF Champions League. And if that muscle memory kicks in, it's going to be a very long road for Montreal. I don't see the comeback. I don't see that remontada. It doesn't mean it can't happen. Uh, Montreal has their history of making a run in this tournament. Unlike Champions League, CONCACAF Champions League, we do have away goals. So if Santos, if they score once, that makes it very, very really, really, really hard yeah, yeah. for Montreal. Uh, one of my favorite segments on the show is You Got CONCACAF. <laughs> I don't think I have been on the show while we have a You Got CONCACAF. So here we go. So this is a Santos player, plays the ball back, oh, and the referee... And the linesman, they go offside. <laughs> Look at Giotto. Giotto's livid. What do you think? He wasn't going to get there. Uh, oh, my God. Comes out. And I, I, don't even know, I don't even know if he's offside, by the way. No, I don't yeah. even know if he's right. offside. But, but I'm, I'm, my God, dude, the Look disregard for the rule. You got CONCACAF, Montreal. Oh. Uh, let's move on to Cruz Azul. Hey, a lot of subs for Juan Reynoso's team. Finally, a start for Christian Tabo. They went and play in Canada against Forge, a second-tier team in Canada. But it had to be this long oh strike. It, can this be you got CONCACAF as well or no, not? No, this is one of the loneliest numbers. This is Romelo Otero. Otero yep. right there. Romulo, sorry. Romulo Otero. Romulo, thank you, Otero. I don't know what the goalkeeper's doing. He's making me all flustered, getting out of sorts. <laughs> Forge FC uh, did very well to keep it 1-0. Cruz Azul, I know a lot of changes, not first choice lineup, but wow. Yeah, Juan, Juan, yeah, Juan Reynoso was not happy. He hasn't been happy in a while, especially not with the new general manager. Uh, one is the loneliest position, and Alfredo Talavera didn't have uh, a very, very good name. The loneliest number. Uh, this is very weird to see Alfredo Talavera. Well, is this a miss? Yeah, yeah he gets it, a hand it has on to it. be a miss, right? Especially he touches he was the ball. dancing around right before the penalty kick, trying to get into his head. And then check this. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is bad. Guess who this cleans it up? Bolaños with the second of the night. How old is Bolaños, by the way? Uh, they're both like around 48? my age. But Bolaños <laughs> and Talavera are both around my age. Bolaños, 37. So, yeah, 48. Seven. No, Talavera. Talavera is over 40, no? No, 39. 39. He's an 82. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Saprisa. Took the lead twice, but then Pumas, man, Pumas, they also had themselves a game. They also played some subs. What do you make of Pumas' performance Look last night? Ball. Look at that ball yes. right there from Oso. That's a beautiful delivery. Yeah, but he also had a blender yeah, he had a, later in the game. Yeah, he had a little blunder later in the game, but it's a beautiful ball. Corozo takes advantage for the header, and then this is a beautiful finish. I uh, just like, the, yeah, keeper, the keeper is expecting it to go far post. Dineno just roofs it near post, in step, beautiful finish. Uh, it should have been a 2-1 to one victory. Saprisa is struggling in Costa Rican League at home especially. But 2-2, uh, it's, it's a good result so for Pumas. Th this is not a great Saprisa team, no. right? But this is also not a great Pumas team. So do you believe, all things considered, Pumas a team, the, the, the Liga MX team in most trouble right now? Mm, no, because I think Pumas is actually playing... Well, I yeah. think Pumas is actually punching above their weight class. Uh, we spoke about Santos. This could be the, the win that turns their season around. 
The reality is, look at their season. I mentioned 13 goals against and how they're not playing like Pedro Caixinha type teams. They're going now on the road. Let me read you a second where they have to go in the next seven days. They got to go on the road to Juarez. Yeah. They got to go on the road to Montreal. And they got to go on the road then to Cruz Azul in seven days. <laughs> Do you know how far Montreal is compared to I've Torreon? Heard. I've never been there. There are no direct flights from Torreon to Montreal. It's going to be a very difficult task those seven days all on the road. And they're not particularly playing well. And I don't know about that confidence. And confidence is huge. I understand Montreal's in their preseason, but this is a dangerous game for Santos. So here's how I see it different. Uh, I think Santos' roster is stronger than Pumas. That's a better roster. Of course. They're just not performing up to their level, right? Whereas I really don't know how good or bad this Pumas roster is. Andres Lilini, the manager, he's done a fantastic job because he plays some guys on Sunday, he'll play some different guys on Wednesday. But every every once in a while, we just we just have to wonder if this Pumas team is for real or not. That's been the standard under Lilini, right? Yeah. They punch above their weight class. Are they for real? I think it's just something we're gonna come to have to come to terms with. They're a team that's very Jekyll and Hyde, and a lot of that has to do with the roster. All right, do we sh shall we run it back? Are we running it back? I think we are running it back, right? Tati Castellanos, New York City Football Club. Tati Castellanos, uh, a really good player, scores a brace in uh, New York City's Football Club win in Costa Rica. Santos. Tati is in great form. In yeah. great, great form. Yeah, Santos de Guapiles. Yeah, he scored the first one off a penalty kick, but that would not be all because uh, no, no, no. I'm going to get the second one. Look at this. Uh, I don't know what the defending is going on. A little pinball action. I, I know. Don't give Stati that type of service. Yeah, but that finish, that man. That finish. Uh, you, you being a goal scorer, you have to appreciate that more more than me. Yeah, uh, River Plate, by the way, uh, put in a bid for Tati Castellanos. Yep. New York City FC said, no, not today. So that bid was rejected. 50% of the uh, future sell was on there, but uh, they, they want to keep him. And this was Omar Fernandez. Leon also got the win away versus Guastatoya. Luis Angel Landin plays for Guastatoya. This That's is Omar true. Fernandez with a great move and a great finish. Uh, Landin was actually the player who lost the ball. Yeah. Here, set up the counterattack. Good little finish. How about this touch from Elias Hernandez? Right foot and then left. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that is dirty. Yeah, Leon, they, they haven't been great in Liga Mekis so far. Two losses in a row and they play Chivas this weekend. Now, in case you missed it, you know, I always like a good fight. You know how I always appreciate a good bench clearing fight. This happened in a preseason game, Columbus versus Charlotte. Yeah. And it got ugly. Look at this. This is Jordi Reina, the Peruvian, uh, comes in with a nasty tackle on Alexandru Matan. Matan took exception. And as uh, our good friend, coach of Charlotte, Miguel Angel Ramirez, would say, Estamos jodidos. Oh, wow. Whoa, Herc. Man, this is preseason. What are you doing? Yeah, Take it easy. What do you want? Take to? it easy. At least they at least they'll win something, right? Well now now you know if you if you're playing a match and the bench is clear, you definitely will be featured on those football America. Those are sweet jerseys from Charlotte. Though. They are. Major League Soccer starts with a bang Sunday, February 27th. 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. LA Galaxy hosting champs, New York City Football Club. Will you be part of the broadcast in Spanish? Si, señor. Hercules Gomez will be on the call.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Club America, I had to buy you coffee earlier today because on Ahora o Nunca, we placed the bet. I said America was going to easily beat Mazatlan. Well, what do you know? Mazatlan beat America 2-1. to Some people are saying Guillermo Ochoa could have done more yeah, in this goal. I'm one of those guys. But hey, I gotta tell you, first half, it was all Mazatlan. They really were deserving of the lead after the 40, after the first 45 minutes. Yeah, we, we spoke about this before, right? Uh, the, the thing with Mazatlan is they're a very good team at home. Yeah. Last year, the only team to beat them was Chivas in the last that day of the season. Oh, Henry Martin should really do better here. Look at this. Outside of the left, look at the spin comes outward. Henry Martin is not having a good go as of late for Club America. But they're a very good team at home. This year, they've only lost to Toluca, and that was because they got a red card that complicated things. But at home, they're a very strong team. Uh, so it's another loss for Club America. They finally got to score by the end of the game, and then some controversy. But in the end, a defeat on Santiago Solari is blaming someone, I guess. Claramente, cuando las, cuando, cuando no se dan los resultados o no alcanzamos los objetivos o, o, o no logramos competir en momentos de los partidos, eh, las responsabilidades de todos, ¿no? Por, por supuesto, claramente. Igual que cuando, cuando uno gana o cuando uno hila victorias o bate récords, la responsabilidad también es de todos. Esto es un deporte de conjunto y todos juntos lo tenemos que sacar. Eh, cuerpo técnico, jugadores, todos somos, somos uno, ¿no? No, no, eh, no hay división en ese sentido, porque trabajamos juntos todos los días. Así que eso, eso funciona así. Y evidentemente hoy al principio del partido el, el, el planteamiento no funcionó, y bueno, eso evidentemente es, una, eh, es algo en el que tengo que poner el foco yo. If you saw Santiago Solari holding his earpiece, our ESPN reporter César Caballero, who's great, by the way, great America reporter, he asked him a tough question, right? And Santiago Solari pulled the old trick of, yeah, I don't... Can't hear you. <laughs> Audio problems. <laughs> Two, three, four times, and in the end, he didn't answer Cesar's question, which was, how do we interpret it what's, what, what's been happening with America? Is it the manager or is it the roster? Because I believe, Herc, Santiago Solari was throwing the players under the bus with that answer we just heard. Yeah, I believe as well. But if you're asking me if this roster is overrated, and we have the discussion off air, we had a discussion on air yesterday on Aura Nunca, I believe it is overrated. I mean, who's the star of Club America right now? Guillermo Ochoa. Guillermo Ochoa, who's Guillermo a goalkeeper. Yeah. Okay, and he's been subpar for a good part of last season heading into this season with the defensive line is it bruno valdez he's not been the same player since that knee injury is it jonah dos santos he's, he's been deemed surplus by the la galaxy is it fidalgo fidalgo's got zero goals zero assists this season is it henry martin my man's got one goal yeah. my man struggled to score goals last year he's not your guarantee at the nine position so if you're asking me if this roster is overrated Yes, because you can't compare this roster to Tigres, to Monterrey, to Cruz Azul. You can't compare this roster to a, to a few other teams. Like This roster 
isn't the America of old. It's no longer the cartera, that wallet. It's no right. longer that team can just go out and buy these superstars. So these stats to me are very, very telling. I know it's the same amount of goals, but take a look at chances created, shots on goal. This club, this team has not been as effective as it was a year ago. And I will reiterate the word effective because they haven't really been great. I mean, when America was leading the table, they were top of the table. They had a fantastic year, over 72 points in the calendar year. No one even close to that number. But you kept saying, I'm not impressed. I'm not. I mean, numbers numbers tell a story, but they don't tell the whole story. And now I believe that's, that's coming back to chase Santiago Solari yeah. because everything he kept saying was, we're great during the regular season, where now they're very bad during yeah, the regular the, season. The difference between that team and this team is that team was predictable, was pragmatic, but they were efficient. Mm -hmm. They grinded out results, right, Seb? Or, sorry, Mal? That's sorry fine, about that. Fine. I don't take it personally. <laughs> you should, you should on that one. But this team is not only it's predictable. Fine, it's fine. <laughs> it's not only predictable. Check the hairline right there. Whoa! <laughs> it's not only predictable, not only pragmatic, but they're no longer efficient. No, exactly. They're, That's no longer, the problem. they're no longer score the goal and win. And this is a huge problem for Club América. Club América has to apply the three Gs. Uh, golear, ganar, and gustar. That means you got to score them goals. You got to rack up the score. You got to be if, nice in the way you play. It's got to be nice and appealing to the fan base. And you have to win. They've not done that. This isn't my saying that. You're saying this is the América way. That's historically who they've been. This is not who Solari is. Yeah, I think a supporter of Solari in terms of, I believe he's a good coach and he can bring interesting things to the table. So far, it's a problem. Now, let me ask you this because here on Football Americas, many times we have asked the question, is his job in jeopardy? They're hosting Pachuca this weekend yeah. and sources have, sources have told me that it's not that Santiago Baños or the club president are thinking on firing him, but that the possibility of him quitting, resigning is also there. So let me ask you this. What do you think has a better chance now? Him getting fired or him quitting on the team? Will he get fired or will he resign? If I have to bet, I will bet that he gets fired before he resigns. And why? Because Pachuca could literally be the last stand for Santiago Solaris. You're talking about a team that's in 14th place right now. It's not very good defensively against a Pachuca team who's in third place, who happens to be very good defensively and very decent offensively and has a penchant for playing well in the Estadio Azteca. I was going to say, they always play America great. Yes. Doesn't matter if it's regular season or Liguilla playoffs. Yeah, they actually knocked out America yeah. in the first playoff uh, that Santiago Solari was part of and they weren't a very good Pachuca team. Yeah. Okay, they actually ended up losing to Chivas, if I'm not yes. mistaken, the next round. That tells you everything. <laughs> yeah, it, it does tell you a lot. But Santiago Solari right now, the pressure, you mentioned him throwing the players under the bus. I think it's getting to him. He started yeah. off of this very prim and proper manager uh, who would come here and everybody loved. And little by little, layer by layer, you're seeing more of this, just man, this professor, this, this coach unraveling right before our eyes. His body language is not great. His body language is not great and it tells a lot. And again, uh, sources tell that he's not happy with the Mexican soccer environment in general, media. He asked for some specific positions to bring new players. 
it wasn't granted. So he's, he's not happy. He's not enjoying his time in Mexico. And he might look forward to move back to Europe sooner than later. Uh, someone who might not also enjoy his time in Major League Soccer recently, Jefferson Soteldo. He's now a player for Tigres. He had some good times in Toronto in Major League Soccer. Now that Carlos Salcedo moved there, he moved to Tigres. And let's say, let's just say he probably didn't have the nicest words to say about Major League Soccer. Let's take a listen to Jefferson Soteldo. Sí, para mí va a ser una revancha muy linda, donde siento que regalé un año en mi carrera. Y bueno, ya aquí estoy de nuevo, vengo a competir, vengo a hacer lo que era cuando en el 2019-2020. Herc, shots fired? Yeah, I'd say so, shots fired. Uh, I wasted a year, he said. Yeah, okay, take it with a grain of salt of who it's coming from. And you, you know this, uh, Mao, I've said it many times, a team in Major League Soccer has to knock it out of the park with their designated players yep. on all fronts. They have to be a good signing off the field, good signing on the field, but on the field especially because they take up so much of a chunk of your salary. In a salary cap league, they need to be very important. Three goals, okay? That's 10 assists is not a bad number, by the way. That, that, that's very inflated. That's not the number I have. <laughs> and they were a very, very bad, bad Toronto team. Other DPs with Toronto FC, Pozuelo, Jovinko in their first years, Josie Alder absolutely killed it. This man was as bad for Toronto as Toronto was. And when you're making $2 million a year, close to $2 million a year, you can't come away with this type of number. It may have been for him, I gave away a year of my career, but it was for Toronto as well. They gave away a DP spot and a lot of credibility with this player. Yeah, I think it's a fresh start for, for both. It's, it's actually a win-win for yeah. Toronto, but also for Jefferson Soteldo. We'll also have Liga Mekis on ESPN Deportes on Friday, starting at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 oh, p.m. You're on that call, right? We'll be on the call. Tijuana hosting Necaxa on ESPN Plus, on ESPN Deportes, alongside your good friend, Barack Feber, who's also a good friend of Football Americas. I guess Marcelo Flores made up his mind and he will play for Mexico, right? Look how he customized his boots with a Mexican flag. So I think, I think we have a winner and I think it's Mexico. Take that, Canada. Who, who sponsors the Mexican national team? I cannot say the brand. They don't. <laughs> no free pub. No free pub no free on Football pub. Americas. Uh, Marcelo Flores is gaining some traction. Hopefully soon he can debut with Arsenal because uh, that would be something. That's when his star would really shine. Yeah, well, if he already made up his mind, then it's awesome. And I like those shoes. More, you got CONCACAF on Football Americas. Take a look at this. Uh, recent action, CONCACAF Champions League, Comunicaciones de Guatemala versus Rapids. The match got delayed because of a, we don't know if it's a hornet or a bee's nest in the goal. What's it? Oh, on the crossbar? No. Uh, it's the crossbar, yeah. I have seen this happen in Mexico before. I, I forgot who it was again. Listen, man, Monique. play on. Yeah, well, What's going to happen? Whoa, 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 Dude, no. It's a hornet's nest and bee's nest. It doesn't matter. Play on. You know what? Come on. I would I would have loved to say this is the worst thing that happened to Colorado oh. <laughs> in, in this game, but uh, that is not. Look at this, uh, Colorado. Uh, uh, what's, William Yarbrough is going to save the day here, so don't you? We're, oh, hey, there's, there's a deflection. There's a the goal is, deflection. Yeah, the goal is kind of 
Espino, the Cuban defender. There's a slight deflection. Even so, that's uh. William Yarbrough. Uh, this is a massive fail on the part of the Colorado Rapids. One of the better teams last season. Yeah, yeah. And William Yarbrough, man, he has struggled defending that goal. She believes Cub on ESPN later tonight, 11 p.m. Eastern. USA versus the Czech Republic. Will Sebi be there? He's calling the game with Julie Foudy. Sebi Salazar and both, both are fats, Julie and Sebi. The producer's gonna be there as well. He's on his way there now. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. He, yeah. he already had a great job producing this show tonight. Remember, download Football America's podcast. And on Monday, great guest, Matt Turner, your guy, Bob Bradley. Is Sebi gonna be with Bob Bradley? Can I get my camera on there? Is Sebi going to show up? Okay, he didn't show up today. Will Sebi show I'm up? Not, I'm Bob not Bradley? on the schedule. So I'm I'm guessing it's a Sebi and Bob Bradley reunion. Yeah, Man, Bob's just, a good people. Bob's good people. We'll see you just on Monday. You know, wearing. What you got? City target? Uh, city, bro. Is that because Yeah, is that the Champions League target? This is not. Football America, thanks for watching.